Hey, Jeff Fuller back with you, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. And we believe people's stories matter. And if you take the time to listen to someone's stories, it's remarkable what you can learn, need to unlearn and relearn. And one with a great story is Art Rayner. Art, welcome in. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so you are of the Rainer clan, can I say that, or of the <laughs> lineage, and uh, I had the good privilege of interviewing your brother, uh, Sam, twice, and just uh, remarkable, your family. What is it like for you now when people know the Rainer name, whether it's your dad, your brother, yourself, and people are like, whoa, you're part of the Rainer family? Well, there's not too many people that say, whoa, you're, you're part of the, the Rainer family. Um, if they've met Sam, which you, which you have, it's more like, ooh. <clears throat> You're part of the Rainer family, um, so I, I I don't really know how to answer that question. Admittedly, I don't I don't think a lot about it. Um, just try to to serve King Jesus in the best way that uh, that we possibly can, and uh, you know, hopefully God God uses that for for His glory. Share with me a little bit. Your family seems to be pretty tight, pretty close. And I know for myself and being adopted, maybe that's why I'm closer to my brother and sister. But uh, talk about that relationship you have within your family. It seems as though you love each other, but that does not uh, mean there isn't as much teasing either. Well, we tease because we love, right? Um, so we, we certainly do tease a, a lot. Um, and that's that's true whether it's on social media, it's true whether um, it's a family text feed, um, it's true whether we're, we're in, in, in person. And that's, I guess, part of growing up with, with two other brothers. I mean, you're constantly competing, but at the same time, you're constantly cheering for, for, for one another. So you can fight your brother and, and that's okay, but if somebody else fights your yeah. brother, that's not okay. You're going to stick up for for them. And so, yeah, we admittedly, we are a very close family, and I'm grateful for, for that. Um, obviously, that has less to do with me and my brothers and more to do with my with my my parents. And so I'm I'm very grateful for that. We are close. Oh, definitely. Art Rainer is uh, where you can find more information, artrainer.com. And uh, I read your book, uh, The Money Challenge, a couple years ago, a few years ago now. And it kind of intrigued me. Why do you believe more pastors don't learn about money, whether in Bible college or seminary? Well, let me start by saying most people don't learn about money. When we look at the financial literacy rates here in the United States, they continue to drop. The, uh, the recent report um, had us at 14th, I believe, in the world, which is one of our lowest um, marks that we've had as a, as a nation. So it certainly isn't just a, a pastor issue, but it's a um, it's a it's a national issue that we are that, that we're facing. When pastors are called to the to the ministry, um, they immediately start diving into the scripture, start studying the scripture. They go to seminary and try to learn how to interpret and preach the scripture. They learn how to pastor and shepherd their, their congregation well. Uh, they learn a, a lot about leading the local church or even going to be a, a, a missionary. And what they what they often don't learn, and it's not it's no no fault of the seminaries, it's no fault of, of the of the education is the financial piece. And it's in part because there's just so much else that they that they need to learn that they neglect the uh, the, the personal financial piece. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is that uh, pastors specifically find themselves in some uh, some difficult situations. And um, because 
one, they usually spend a long time in, in school, which usually uh, can result in, uh, in, in educational loans, things like that, depending on the school that you go to. Um, you also tend to have a lower income. Um, so uh, that, that presents a different fi financial challenge. You're often, pastors are often behind others in, in the nation because of just the, the path that they have, that they've taken. But of course, you know, pastors, they don't get into ministry for the money, right? They get into ministry for the mission. And, and so my hope with pastors specifically is that they'll learn just a few of the basics of, of what God has, or how God has designed finances to, to work, under, better maybe better understand our relationship with finances so that then they can better shepherd their their congregation when did you first learn about money for me i was the youngest of three kids my sister would save and would not spend anything my dad used the expression tighter than bark to a tree and my brother he would save up and if he wanted i don't know a 120 dollar pair of nikes that's what he'd save up for and get for me, I would go to the clearance rack and buy as much as I could with whatever I had in my pocket. So that's that was me, and I had to learn kind of the hard way about debt and uh, getting out of debt, and it's not good to be in debt. But for you, when did you learn that money provided opportunities, and was that a difficult lesson for you to learn? That's a great question. Uh, first of all, I really like your dad. Um, if he if he says <laughs> if he has that saying, which admittedly that's the first time that I've that I've heard of that. Maybe no. um, I'm out of the loop on that saying, but that is a a great great saying. He's a Vermonter, uh, so maybe you have to come up northeast to do. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I appreciate that one. Um, well, to, to answer your question about when when and how I, I learned about about finances, it really started at a, a young age. One. First of all, my parents talked about it. My dad talked about it. Um, I attribute him to um, my interest in understanding how finances work. Um, I would watch him and my mom do their budget together. They would reconcile their checking account. I know not too many people seem to do that anymore where you pull <laughs> out the, the checkbook and you reconcile every, everything, uh, make sure that it, that it balances. Um, and I would watch, so I'd watch them, them do this. And my dad would I wouldn't say it was completely, there was a plan there, but he would just talk about it just as everyday, um, just with everyday conversations. And, and so that helped me get, develop an awareness for, for finances. And then the big thing that he did for, for me was to encourage me to open up an IRA, a Roth mm -hmm. IRA, um, bef before I ever graduated high school. Wow. So I actually opened my first Roth IRA when I was 16 hmm. and started setting aside money for, for retirement. And immediately that got me interested in investing and trying to figure out what was going on. And I certainly made a ton of mistakes um, doing that. I remember my first um, mutual fund that I had was called First Hand Technology. And this was pre-2000. So everything was going great in the technology sector. Um, of course, what we uh, what we now know is that there was a bubble that had been created. And I actually ended up losing a ton of money um, relative to uh, my, my, my age because I um, did not diversify more sure. my portfolio. So that was a lesson learned that I that I certainly had early on. And now as a as a parent, I'm trying to teach my own kids about God's design for, for, for money. And if, if you are a parent um, that uh, that's listening to this, I got to tell you, it's don't, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it as, as parents make it an everyday co conversation. 
just talk about it. When you're paying your bills, talk about it. When you're giving to your church, talk about it. Make sure that they know that you're that you're generously giving to your to their church, even if it's through online giving. Um, and teach them the basic principles that the Bible has about finances, and that's to give generously, save wisely, and live appropriately. And any kid can actually latch onto those concepts and and under, understand them. And uh, that comes from your More the Money podcast, those uh, three principles that are biblical, and a quick plug for that. I did want to bring up uh, The Money Challenge, the book that I read and uh, shared earlier, then you went on to write uh, The Marriage Challenge as well. But The Money Challenge, it talks about a 16-year-old that invests $3,000 with that compounding every seven years, that's quite a retirement. Could you just talk about how that works and how that applies to 16-year-olds that want that new bike, new car, trying to press a girlfriend instead of looking at retirement? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a great way of, of putting it. Um, so in the Money Challenge and also in, the, in what's called the Money Challenge for Teens, I present the, this exact same information in a little bit different way so that a teenager can grasp the, the concepts. Um, I talk about the power of compounding. Now, when I say compounding, what I mean is you're simply just making money on top of your money. As an example, if you have $100 in an account and it makes 10% over a year, you've earned $10. And so let's say now you have $110 in your account. Well, if you earn 10% again, the next year, you don't earn ten year, $10 like you did the year prior. You earn $11 because it's 10% of $110. Yeah, yeah. So now you have $121. That's the power of, of compounding. And so what I did in the money challenge and also the money challenge for, for teens, I set out a hypothetical and said, well, let's assume that you are a 16-year-old. You open up a Roth IRA because you have a job and you set aside $2,000 into that to that Roth IRA when you're 16. When you're 17, once again, you have a job, set aside $2,000 again for that year. You do that again when you are 18 years old. And so you've set aside a total of $6,000. But unlike a savings account, um, you are investing this, this money. Mm. And let's just assume that within that Roth IRA, you invest in a fund that mirrors the S&P 500, which is uh, an index um, that uh, somewhat reflects what's going on in the stock market in general. And what I did was I took real returns from 1969 to, I believe, 2018. And I took that $2,000 for those three years and assumed that that teenager didn't invest anything else from then on. That $6,000 turns into almost $700,000 over that period of, sure. or if, as soon as they, let's just assume that they turned 65, it turns into almost $7,000 over that period of, of time. And once again, that's using real returns from the S&P 500. So there's not a guarantee that that would happen. In fact, if you updated that chart, it would actually be more than what it shows in the money challenge and the money challenge for, for, for teens. But once again, all that I was showing was the power of compounding. And my hope was that whoever's reading that book, whether it's an adult uh, or teenager, will look at it and say, wow, I need to go ahead and get started now. Because I lay out a little bit of a, a formula there that's a little bit of money plus a lot of time equals a lot of money. 
And that's just based on, um, that just comes from compounding, right? Why don't people believe it, do it? Is it because we're selfish? Is it because we don't have that much money? So we think if I can't invest 2000, why would I start with 200? Why do you think that is that people don't hold on to these, these principles that really work? I think there's probably a number of different different factors. That's a that's a really good question. I think one of them is hard for us to think about what will happen, um, you know, forty years from now. It's hard to plan forty years in in advance. I got to tell you, even during this period of time when we're in the, the middle of a pandemic, you know, most people it's hard for them to plan two weeks ahead of time because right. it seems like you know everything changes the next day. And and so I think uh, it's difficult to, to plan that far ahead. Uh, um, you, you said selfishness. That certainly could be the case. It's um, I want it now. Uh, there's a mentality. There's a there's an instant gratification mentality. I don't want to have to wait to enjoy my my life. I don't want to have to wait to purchase this car. I don't want to have to wait to purchase yeah. this house. So I'm going to use all the money that I have now to get those things course, the result of instant gratification is future financial troubles. Right, right. And, and so I think that certainly can play a, a role in, in, in this. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a number of different, different factors that can, um, that can result in us not focusing on the, on the future. So possibly the uh, only question that will make you sweat during this interview, it's not going to be political, but it is somewhat political. Inflation. How does inflation work with everything we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a, a really good question, and it certainly can turn into a political conversation, but it doesn't it doesn't have to. Um, let's um, let's go back and uh, let's go back to 1969. Believe it or not, I had this very conversation um, just a couple of days ago. Let's go back to 1969. If you were to look at the cost of an average um, well, let's get within the state of Kentucky. The average cost of a home is about one hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars. One hundred sixty-eight hundred thousand uh, dollars right, right now. If you were to take that exact same house and purchase it in nineteen sixty-nine, it would cost you about twenty-two thousand dollars. Now, did the home get cheaper? No, it's the, the, the same home. It's the exact, exact same structure, exact same features. But the value of the dollar was greater in 1969 than it is now. The purchasing power of a dollar was greater in 1969 than it was now. And so that's why we need to pay attention to, to inflation. That's one of the problems with our savings accounts right now is that it's not keeping up with inflation. Right, and so right. what I tell individuals is that when you have money in your savings account, which there's a time and a place for that, you need an emergency fund. There's things that you need in the near future to save for. But if you were to keep your retirement in it, it's not going to keep up with inflation. And in essence, you're losing money right. because the purchasing power weakens over over time, you're not going to be able to buy as much with that money in in the future, and so that's how inflation works. And I can answer more questions about that if you want me to. 
No, that's good. <laughs> good enough for now. And again, Art Rainer, ArtRainer.com on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Art Rainer. You also serve, let me get this right, the VP for Institutional Advancement at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. That is a mouthful. I would love to see uh, your name tag and how you wear that across <laughs> campus. But uh, being a part of a theological seminary during a pandemic, before a pandemic, and now wherever we fall in the midst of a pandemic, how have you had to challenge your leadership, and who have you leaned on for answers when uh, there's so much uncertainty that, that we're continuing to process? Yeah, it's a great question. First of all, um, you got to get it right. You shortened it. You shortened the title. It's <laughs> Vice President for Institutional Advancement at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Yeah, this is all the USA. space I had. I, I only had enough space. So, my uh, name tag goes across the my, my entire chest here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a great um, great great question. Um, who have who have we we leaned on? Obviously, we we un, first of all we we understand that not everybody's going to be satisfied with the decisions that that we make. You have to acknowledge that that there's not a a easy answer. Um, for whether it's a mask or not mask, online or not online, and so what you do is you, you do the best that you can with the information that you that that you have, and so we have certainly been been, been doing that. We've been gathering information from a variety of different places, um, both locally and across across the nation, talking to other schools, talking to other administrations, trying to figure out how are you managing this. What are some best practices? Uh, for uh, for this situation that we are in, how are you doing education? How are you delivering it? And fortunately, I think um, that's just been really good to our to our school. When the pandemic really hit, when we had to go online in 2020, I mean, it was about a week long process for us mm -hmm. to to do that, which is really short. Yeah. And the reason why is it was short for us is that we already had a plan in place should something happen like, like this. And we have an amazing team here at Southeastern Seminary that we're able to to adjust quickly. We have an amazing faculty that um, was able to adjust quickly because for them, it's more about the mission than it is about the 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 delivery model that we that we take. And, and so we wanted to make sure that um, we are training and equip our, our students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. And if that's occurring in the cl classroom, praise God. If, it's incur if it has to occur over um, a Zoom class, praise God. We'll, we'll do that, whatever it takes we are going to do. And so we just were very flexible, um, knowing that the mission takes priority and that we're going to have to adjust to ensure that that, that, that continues. Yeah, that's so good. And I had opportunity to interview uh, the president of my alma mater, Kingswood University, which is the only Bible college of the Westland denomination. And he was just sharing there in Canada and just some of the, uh, the struggles they've had with the borders being open, even within the provinces. It's just brought sort of all um, types of questions. However, he shared that he feels they were so blessed because there was not one number, not one count of COVID over the last year and a half. Wow. Can, can you just talk a little bit about, and I'm not trying to get over spiritual. I do think God protects people, whether Christians or not, but it seems like a special favor. Could you just talk about seminary, some of the students that are a part in God's call on people's lives. We wish it was a rabbit's foot, um, but it isn't. But it does seem that yeah. sometimes there's special favorites, certain locations. Can you just talk about being a part of a seminary and seeing God work in students' lives there? 
Yeah, so uh, certainly God can and and will do as he as he pleases. He will protect um, as he as he as he pleases. And at the same time, he also gives us wisdom in how to to adjust to these types of of situations. And and so I I certainly believe that God can and and will do those those types of things. At the same time, I I think that God once again, has given us a, a brain and has um, has allowed us to um, glean information about the, the world and how it works and allows us to make decisions uh, accordingly in the in a most prayerful and wise manner ma- manner possible. So with uh, podcasts, which I love and I enjoy and I listen to all the time, it seems as though now everybody out of this pandemic, they felt like their opinion needed to be shared, of which part of the reason I started this uh, interview and broadcast as well. But more than money, can you just talk about what led you to begin a podcast? Was it overwhelming or just watching your dad or others? Did it just come naturally for you? No, I don't. I don't think it was overwhelming. This was actually my second podcast, the one that uh, the viewers are seeing on the on the screen. The first one I had was based on the book that you've already mentioned, The Money Challenge, and I wanted to broaden the scope of of the podcast. And so, basically, I did a a rebranding um, and called it More Than Than Money. And my hope is that that podcast will um, certainly be about getting uh, getting people out of debt, getting financially healthy, but specifically for the sake of allowing us to be free financially in order to leverage our resources for the advancement of of God's kingdom. Um, I'm, I'm very clear, um, whether it's in the, the book that you mentioned or even on, on the podcast, that I, I could really care less if you get out of debt if your motivation for getting out of debt is to do whatever you want, right? If your motivation for, for getting out of debt is just so that you can spend more freely on, on money with, uh, without regard for, for advancing God's kingdom, I, that's, that doesn't motivate me. What motivates me are helping men and women who are maybe in a financially challenging time, maybe because it's a lack of, of education, maybe um, some type of major emergency hit them, whatever, whatever reason, uh, for whatever reason, they're in that financially difficult time. My, I'm motivated to help them if they're saying, hey, I want to get out of this so that I can give more generously, so that I can use my resources for the advancement of my kingdom, that I recognize that that's why God gave me this money to begin with. It certainly is to, to put food on the table. It certainly is to, to enjoy, but most importantly, it's to advance his, his kingdom. And so um, that's, that's what motivates me. And so any, any financial advice that I give on, on more than money, I, I'm giving it through through that lens. How can we get our finances right? How can we make sure that we're setting aside uh, money for our emergency savings? How can we make sure that we're setting aside money for retirement so that then we can protect our ability to live and give generously? Now, a few hypotheticals for you. I know that uh, you love... (laughs) What a host says, ah, hypothetical question. And so, you know, I grew up extremely conservative, so uh, that's where I came from. But a hypothetical is, say your brother won the lottery and he wanted to give money towards you from the lottery or for you at, to use at, uh, at the theological seminary. What would that process look like in your head when you heard, 
wait, he won the lottery and now he wants to give me money for the advancement of theological studies. What, what would you say? How would you deal with that? So that's a, it's an ironic question that you, uh, that you just put out there, not because we're receiving um, any, any money from lottery winnings at this point, but I was just at a gas station watching a group of people spend a ton of money um, on lottery tickets. And immediately I want to say, no, don't do that. There's a better way. There's a, there's a, a, a way that actually leads to financial health and this is not it. And, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, stand alone, but, but I also wanted to get my, 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 my drink. And so I didn't want to get kicked out of the gas station. Um, so I didn't do that. But uh, first of all, I, I am um, opposed to uh, the, uh, the the lottery. It is um, it is rigged against the the, the person, yeah. and even here in the state of uh, of North Carolina, I, on more than money, I actually brought on a gentleman who used to be on the board, the um, the, the lottery mm-hmm. board, not to help um, uh, help the the lottery advance in our state, but actually to help get rid of it. And he said, it's amazing. We call our lottery, I believe it's like an education lottery to say that this money goes to, to education to make people feel better about um, buying those lottery tickets. It, it just a minuscule amount actually right. actually does. And it truly is rigged against the, 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 the individual uh, to make them feel like they almost won. And so therefore they're gonna try it again. They're not almost winning. All these tickets almost win. Um, and that is intentional to try to help to, to encourage a person to get another another ticket to spend more money, and and so so let me just be very clear. I, I think the the lottery is a, is a is a terrible thing. I think that everybody should uh, should avoid it. That is not the the way to um, financial health. Um, at the same time, I do believe that all money is God's money, and if somebody were to bring lottery winnings. I'm not excited that they made that decision, but I'm thinking, wow, now we can leverage this resource for the advancement of, of God's God's kingdom. This is his money and, and praise God now that we have it and we can, we can use it um, to hopefully, hopefully reach more, more people for, for Christ. So I would take it. um, But at the same time, not celebrate how it was. Sure achieved. No, I certainly agree and uh, understand that perspective as well. A question that I have, my son is into Doge or cryptocurrency, and uh, he bought it at eight cents, and then it got up to like 65. It dropped some too, but I bought like $75 worth of Doge in cryptocurrency. I don't really understand it. My son just said he made a ton of money when it was eight cents. What What is the deal with cryptocurrency? In your humble opinion, where do you think that's going to go in the future. Yeah, that's a that's a hot question, right right now, and um, it's it's going to be difficult for me just to give a quick summary of what what digital what cryptocurrency is. Um, but basically, it is digital currency, and there's a code uh, behind it, a blockchain that helps identify um, whose money this is and where it's going, and to make sure that it is. Um, a valid purchase, and the I, I will say that the technology behind it is 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 really impressive. Uh, if you want my personal opinion on it right now, um, I do think that there is a place for cryptocurrency, blockchain, in the in the future. Um, 
However, I don't think that it will look like what we are experiencing right now. Um, mm. I think that, and you're already starting to see governments put some more regulations on these types of, of, of currencies. Um, you're starting to see countries develop their own cryptocurrency that's backed by the 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 uh, the government and so there's going to be an additional element of trust there to the to the general uh, for the general general public um and so i i there's a lot of different um statements that are being thrown out there that i that i could um just kind of break apart as an example bitcoin i'm probably going to get some people mad um it's, it's saying this but bitcoin um um fanatics will say that um, bitcoin is a scarce um, currency, and therefore it will will maintain its its value because there's only 21 million of them. Well, that assumes that um, you are that Bitcoin is going to be the only digital currency in the in the future. Right. That's going to be the only one that's trying to gain the market. Bitcoin is a man-made product, and so that means there can be more of them. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily Bitcoins, but other types of digital currencies. You mentioned um, Dogecoin. That is that is a, of course a, a, another one that has an that has a, a cap that's uh, that's taken uh, that or should say doesn't have a cap on it. So it's a, it operates a little bit differently. But there could be hypothetically a Bitcoin competitor. If that happens, then Bitcoin's value, of course, could go could go down. Of course, it's highly speculative at this point anyway. But um, really the you're, there's a that's a myopic view in my opinion of digital currency if you're saying that it's that it's scarce you're assuming that bitcoin is the only one and we're already seeing that that's not going to that's not going to going to be the case and so it is in my opinion it's it's not scarce um, because it once again it's a man-made product which means another man can make a, a different one and even a better one um, yeah. and so I, I think that there is a future for it especially with the with the technology. Um, however, I just don't think that it's going to look like um, what it what we have right now. Now the question is, should I invest in Bitcoin or these digital currencies? My my um, my advice to to everyone is if you're going to just make sure that it's not a significant part of your um, investments. I'm not going to say you shouldn't invest in, in it um, because people have and and probably will continue to make money off, off of it. But I would not bet my entire retirement on it. Yeah, oh, that's wise. And uh, the last question I have for you is simply because um, I had a radio show, really small town. This was, what, eight years ago, nine years ago. And I got to interview Jeff Ma. That name probably means nothing to you. But he was featured in the book, Bringing Down the House, or the movie 21. I think it was MIT, those students that would count cards and play blackjack. And they won millions and millions of dollars for their investors. And so I have a good friend that says that counting cards isn't gambling because you're actually counting cards. But Jeff Bond said the, the casinos have changed things so much that it's nearly impossible to count cards. For those that want to get away with doing something that they want to do, which I would very much caution against gambling, what advice would you say to them? What perspective would be helpful to them for them to understand you can do it, but you're doing it more because you want to, not because it isn't gambling or whatever reason they come up with. Yeah, if I think I understand the the, the question, you're trying to justify a decision that might not be um, the it might not be the best stewardship of yeah. of the of the of the resources. And I would just be careful. 
um, trying to justify decisions that maybe you know aren't the aren't the best. Remember, God has given us these resources. He's giving you those those resources, and it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy uh, those those resources. But ultimately, we are to leverage those for the advancement of His kingdom, and we will be held accountable for um, for those decisions. You look at the parable of of the talents. At the end the servants were held accountable for their decisions. How did they leverage those resources to advance the master's kingdom? If you've noticed, when the master returned, the, the kingdom, his, his, his property, right. his, his own, his, what he owned, had actually enlarged because of what a couple of the servants had, had done. And so we are certainly to leverage those our resources we have for the advancement of his kingdom. So we should ask, um, really in any decision that we are making, how is this doing that? Because I will be held accountable for it. God tells me I'm going to be be held accountable for it. And and so I would be careful with any type of justification um, that you're doing, that you know you really it's really not the best stewardship of the, of the resources, but you kind of want to do it anyway. And so yeah. um, you, you twist it in the best way you can. I'd, I'd caution anybody who is going down that path. And again, Art Rayner making some time, artrainer.com on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Art Rayner. And uh, we mentioned the money challenge. You've also written the marriage challenge. And first question with this is, did writing come naturally to you for you? Or is that something you needed really work on? That's a, that's a really good question. And not many people have, have actually asked me that. Um, so it is something that I have that I've worked on. It's something that I enjoyed. Um, it, so I started writing articles for different um, um, places, uh, different websites for for free. I, st- I started doing my own blog um, long time time ago. Now I'm not going to say how long because it makes me feel old, but I would do that just to get practice, um, just to just to get in the habit of writing, the practice of writing, trying to to work on that, on, on, on that, on that craft. So there was certainly an enjoyment factor to it. I enjoy the creation of, of books. I enjoy the creation of articles, um, with those books that you just mentioned, a big chunk of my time is spent just developing the layout of the book. How does, how is this book going to, going to look, how is it going to read? How is, uh, the reader going to receive it? How, I mean, especially when you're writing on money, you're thinking, how can I write in a way that they actually enjoy these these books? Because you're writing on money, right? How can you get them past chapter two? And and so I spend a lot of time the the creative process. Um, but um, yeah, I would say it's uh, it certainly is uh, it's it wasn't immediate, um, but it's something that I enjoyed doing even when I wasn't great at it. I wouldn't say that I'm fantastic at it right now, but um, I continue to. To even work on it today. I mean, that's something that I that I just enjoy doing. So it's been a process to say the least. And then with the book, The Marriage Challenge, how much did your wife come back to you and say, hey, you wrote this. Now you actually have to live it out. How, Man. With it, it's like that. But uh, answer that for me. Yeah. Any, anytime that you, you do um, that, you write about marriage or relationships, um, you know, you're always wondering, oh, man, is she going to see this? Because if not, or if she does, uh, you know, she's gonna call me out, right? Um, now, fortunately, I have a very supportive wife who's um, who's who really loves the work um, that I do, and I'm not just saying that; like she tells me that, and and so I'm I'm grateful for for her, and um, and so I, I have no hesitation 
with writing any type of advice with oneness and finances and that and and just so you know, and this is my wife can can um, attest to this. Everything that I write, I do, right? It's an it's it's an outflow of what I'm already doing, yeah. and and so not something that I'm hoping to to do. Um, so the things that I'm like, I don't I don't know if I'm best at this. I actually don't write about. Um, there's some things that I intentionally don't write about because I don't feel like I'm the best at it right now. Sure. Um, but for the areas where I feel like you know, I think I. I've gotten a good grasp on this and now I can help others in this, this area. That's what I, that's what I write about. Yeah. I heard a good sermon on preaching what you already practice, but yes. too often we want to uh, reach so far ahead that uh, it's the opposite. Or Hey, when we think about integrity and uh, you know, your parents are much better than I, but I look at your dad and especially some things he's been through relatively recent. He just seems to exude character. Is that something that you thought was too lofty for yourself or your brothers or just looking at your dad? Was that something that you aspire to that, you know, through Jesus, you too can have great integrity? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. Do you have some great questions um, on this on this interview? Yeah. So my dad certainly has um, been a phenomenal uh, father friend and mentor to to me he's he's certainly has been all three three of those now we're kind of more in the the friend mentor mentor phase and it has been um a, a blessing to be able to watch him um for a long time handle diff different challenges that that, that 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 come up you know you recently uh, or you mentioned one that's that's hit hit it recently and to see him put christ first and in all and to see him do what he feels is right. Um, sometimes regardless of the, um, of, of the outcome, you know, do the right thing and let the chips fall where they, where they may I used a gambling reference. That's probably not the, based on what we just <laughs> talked about, it's probably not the, the best. Um, but, um, it, it, uh, is it, is it too lofty? I, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's the, the, the word, the way that I would, that I would put it. Um, it certainly does challenge me. I'd say it's more encouraging than anything else to say, just do what Christ tells us to to do. Um, and and if God and let God God use that in the way that uh, that that he he desires. and and so, yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't say it's too lofty or challenging. It's more inspiring and motivating than than any anything else. So good. Well, well answered. And then this is Art Rayner, Vice President for Institutional Advancement at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Wake Forest, North Carolina, USA. Did I did I get it correct that time? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we thank you so much for making the time and being a part. And I really love podcasts and more than money. I love how you take people's questions and you research and uh, provide legitimate answers and not simply your opinion. For you with that, how much research does it take to get appropriate answers? Or do you find a lot of these questions are common that come into you each and every time you put out a podcast? So there, there certainly is a lot of a lot of research that's involved, but it's not for every single question, um, meaning that I don't have to go and research every every single single question. A lot of it's just from um, research that I've done for a long period of time now. I mean, 
really long. Um, I, my undergrad was in was in finances, and and so I've been learning about finances and God's design for for money for a for a really long period of time, and I I enjoy it. As an example, I just recently got my AFC, um, which is an accredited financial uh, counseling certification. And I, I just did that for, for fun. I didn't really need it, but I wanted to see if I could shore up any weak areas that I, that I might have because I am helping people on a regular basis. And so I just did that for, for fun. And so when I'm giving advice, it's more out of just existing knowledge that I, that I have. There's an occasion where I'm going to have to go and research a little bit, a little bit more. Um, if I get a question that I have not received, but um, a lot of it's just from, helping people over a long period of time and researching this over a long, long period of time and seeing what, what works. Um, that's what I love about the, the information that's in the, the money challenge. It works. It does. I mean, I, I follow it. I know tons of other people who follow it and it, it just, it just works. And so, um, yeah, I, I enjoy, I love taking the question because just, I just like helping people. Um, I like bringing value to, to their lives in this area. So our couple questions, we'll get you out. Hopefully they're fun questions. If you were to play in a movie, you could be any character in this fictional movie, would you want to be the hero or the villain? Well, if, if I say villain, um, that's going to, I think, negate everything that I just said. <laughs> well, it's, it's a fictional movie. I say villain every single time. And my friend said that if he could play Jack... Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, that's that's the approach he would take. The villain that everybody loves. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a hero guy. I would I would have to to go with the go with the hero. Well, if you said villain, I wouldn't tell your mom. So uh, she she, <laughs> she would you. never know. And the next question is: Your family, which sitcom are you guys most like? Is there a sitcom family that said that you would say represents you or close to, or maybe your alter oh, ego? Man. That's a that's a good question. Um, you know, I almost want to say the Wonder Years, but I'd have to go back and look at the dad and make sure that that's an accurate representation of him because I don't think it think it is. Um, uh, but yeah, we're we're just a, a tight family that, that loves one another and supports one another, and um, so maybe um, oh, what's the what's the the family in in San Francisco the the Oh, not step by step. Full house. Full house. Just because they, yeah. they, they love each other. Not I mean, I know that's a different type of family there, but you know, they just love each other. They have fun. And um and at the end there's always a good lesson to uh, oh, to be learned. There you go. Hey, Art, thanks so much for making the time. Uh, we wish you the best. And yeah, school gets back to go uh, full on. Just uh, continued sincere prayers for you as you guys give leadership and reach out. Because we need pastors, we need educators, and we need Christians just to live God's life in all things, whether it's money or just practically in every way. So, Art, thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Again, that's Art Rayner. ArtRayner.com is where you can find more information about him on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Art Rayner. My name is Jeff Fuller, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, which the website is hopeforvermont.org. Hope to see you Sunday. We'll talk to you again soon.